0: Welcome to the way home with Laura Smith, the show that brings you wonderful guests, helpful advice, and uplifting stories. The way home, live, inspire. Here's your host, Laura Smith.
1: Oh, it's so good to be with you all, and as always, I am excited to share with you my guest on the program. Uh, actually, guest. Sorry, uh, Doctor Belinda Basaka Zeitlin. That's a that's a mouthful. That's why she goes by actually Doctor B. It's a lot easier. Has written a book. Um, it's very interesting because she uses the metaphor of boxing, but it's not a total metaphor for her. Um, you will see in her story, Mom, I want to be a fighter, an eye-opening guide to speed bumps, gut punches and miracles of life that. Yes, indeed, she found out that her son wanted to quit college to become a professional boxer. And it goes from there and gives really wonderful advice to not just parents, but anyone at all who is working through this thing called life and kind of going through uh, in a way that makes you not only grateful for what you're going through, but grow from it as well. Learn so that you can really, truly um, live your best life. And this is a wonderful book that includes uh, bits of work things in it so that you can write down your own lists and, and your own uh, dreams and have your own uh, input into uh, what it is she's trying to get across that I think is absolutely for anyone, anyone at all. It is going to be helpful to you. Mom, I want to be a fighter. That's coming up. Also, uh, how to keep your your house protected in hurricane season and a whole lot more. Plus, good news stories at the end with Jim Cleefield. And it's all part of a program called The Way Home with Laura Smith. But it's brought to you by the family of Balance of Nature. Balance of Nature is fruits and veggies in a capsule. They're not vitamins created in a laboratory It's just food that has been selected by a scientist and a doctor, physician, Dr. Douglas Howard, uh, when he was doing research on how people could live uh, more, well, nutritionally sound lives. And he spent years developing it, not thinking it was going to be a business, but just wanting to help his own family and his neighbors and friends. And Balance of Nature was born of this and is now over a half a billion servings of fruits and vegetables uh, across the world because it truly is a remarkable product. It's just food. So you say, well, why would I need to take food in a capsule when I get food every day? Um, Because... Unfortunately, no matter how hard we try, we don't really get the amount of raw fruits and vegetables into our system that we think uh, we or that we know we should, but we think we do. Right. So um, that is all a scientific process. You're supposed to have 10 servings a day of fruits and vegetables and more in their raw form because then the vitamins are not cooked out of them. But that's not easy to do. It's, It's easy to get in one or two here and there with your meals, but not 10. That's hard. So. That's where Balance of Nature fills in the gap in such a wonderful way and really in a way that no other product in the world does it. It's just pure food and it's selected for the greatest nutritional impact. How do you order it? Super easy. It's not in a store, so you do order it and you can do it over the phone or online. Balanceofnature.com is the website. Balanceofnature.com is the website or you can call them at 800 800 246 Either way, no matter how you do order it, make sure that you put my name in the promo code because that is going to give you 35% off your first preferred order and free shipping always. And again, that's Laura in the promo code spelled L-A-U-R-A. When we come back, Dr. B and her great book, Mom, I Want to Be a Fighter, an eye-opening guide to the speed bumps, gut punches, and miracles of life. We'll be right back. It's The Way Home. Don't go away.
0: Welcome back. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Here's
1: Laura. Well, about five years ago, five, six years ago, pre-pandemic days, um, you know, there's the pre and the post, uh, I had a great, uh, wonderful Uh, job situation when I was living in New York of going to all sorts of events around Westchester County, New York, and meeting so many people and wonderful people doing wonderful things. And one particular evening, we were at this place called The Castle, uh, which is in Tarrytown, New York, a wonderful place. And um, I met someone that, you know, when you make a connection that it's not going to be just passing. You're going to perhaps know them for much longer in your life. And we just hit it off that way. She was, I found her to be extremely kind, extremely um, just warm and engaging, but also there just seemed to be so much that Dr. Uh, Belinda Pasaka-Zeitlin had to offer. She, they call her Dr. B. It's just easier that way. Um, that we've stayed in touch since then and so happy that this lady has written a great book, that I think would be helpful to absolutely anybody. It's called Mom, I Want to Be a Fighter, an eye-opening guide to the speed bumps, gut punches, and miracles of life. Dr. B, thank you for joining me on the way home.
2: Thank you. Thank you, Laura. I'm so honored to be here, honestly. I I, I just love what you do as well. And um, I knew that night, too, that we had a special connection and that wasn't going to be the only time we would connect. I'm so happy about that. Truly, I am. And, you know,
1: you are someone that I admire greatly from just, you know, following you over social media since I, I left New York and now I'm in northern Indiana. But I love to to follow people on social media. It keeps you uh, really clued into what everyone is up to. And you're just a, a phenomenal uh, person. I met you. You were Actually, selling uh, cosmetics and a, a beautiful healthcare line. Um, when I met you in Terrytown, but you had previously in your previous life had been a pediatrician and a scientist. And yeah. but and now we're going to add to all of that um, an, an author. And and I'm so excited about all of it. Um, you bring such a wealth and, and a background with your own personal life. Um, and I loved reading actually. Much of your personal story um, about you and your family uh, being Filipino and coming to this country and what that was like for your family. Your mother was a doctor. Imagine that back in the fifties and sixties for a woman to be a doctor in that day and age in New York of all places, as um, as a Filipino. And and I just am uh, amazed by what so many people. And a lot of it takes place in New York where people arrive in this country through that gateway there. And I think that it's true. If you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere in your life. And your family certainly sounds like it came from all of that that incredible upbringing. And then you went on to do it as well. But you uh, switched gears. And by the time I had met you... Um, at that event that evening at the castle, you were no longer a pediatrician, although you had a breadth of a really amazing career doing that. You had switched gears. And I think a lot of it had to do with what, uh, you know, what happens when we grow as as women and as people and as moms and wives and things like that. So um, your life has taken such an incredible journey. And this book is really a, a, a beautiful uh not only a a beautiful sort of autobiography but it's also a great workbook for other people who really want to know what it means to get in into the uh the ring of life and i use that metaphor because your entire book mom i want to be a fighter uh uses boxing as which no one would ever think the the Tiny petite beautiful woman that you are that you would be having a book and using that as the background. So do tell us the premise for Mom, I Wanna Be a Fighter, an eye-opening guide to speed bumps, gut punches, and miracles of life.
2: Wow, Laura, thank you. And I love that The Ring of Life. I'm gonna have to use that to a sequel, hint hint, um <laughs> that will be coming, maybe coming in the future. Uh so yes, personally, this book was uh I will start out by saying that I have two sons. They're both in college. And my oldest son always had this desire to be a professional boxer. Uh, he has a really great tuition package at a upstate New York school, private school. And during the pandemic, things for a lot of the this age group and everyone got a little bit shaken up, right? Wouldn't you say? Mm-hmm. So he... Um, did a lot of soul searching. And one day he called us via FaceTime and my husband and I happened to be home at the same time. And we picked up the phone and we just thought he may need money or something like that, like he usually does. But he said, Mom, Dad, I just came back from the dean's office and um, I'm leaving school and I'm I'm, I'm pursuing my dream and my passion to become a professional boxer. And as a mother, as a pediatrician, seeing a lot of closed head injuries, traumas, encephalopathies, things like that, um, based on repeated trauma, head trauma. And also the fact that we were, if you think about it, in September of 2020, we were in the midst of COVID that we did not understand if you got, we came down with the infection and you went to the hospital, we didn't know what the outcome was going to be. There was no mm-hmm. vaccines yet. We were just all sheltered at this point. Um, so, just so many thoughts were running through my head, and and when we hung up the phone, I was I got really emotional, and I just said, "This is not what I'd planned for my baby boy." And um, so, my husband and I did this thing, and this is this is a really big message in the book that I'm hoping your listeners will also take in. My husband and I said, do you stand in your vision? Do we stand in our vision or do we stand in our ground? Your vision, our vision for our boy was for him to be happy, fulfilled, healthy, living his best life. Um, And our ground was through college, maybe graduate school, law school and on, having a, a long life, being healthy. His vision was also being happy and fulfilled, but his ground was at that moment, not through school, it was mm-hmm. through boxing. So we said to ourselves, are we going to uh, are we going to stand in our vision and 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 support him? Or are we going to stand in our ground and maybe lose contact with our son? So we did a lot of soul searching and, and this book was part of that soul searching. It was a journal every day, almost. And at one point um decided to make it into a book and it's
1: a wonderful book you can't put it down because you go through that you, the the way that these uh, the this whole scenario is presented to you and it's uh, quite similar to my own actually i have a daughter who got also got a scholarship to my alma mater in new york for in the theater department and she turned it down um to try to do electronic music in new york city on her own with no college background and you know I, it was the same thing. It, you feel like you're gut punched because like you said, you, you have all these wishes for your children that are very spiritual in nature, groundedness, happiness, joy, prosperity, health, um, foundation, things like that. But sometimes when your vision of how you think it should be is shattered, you feel like the the rug's been pulled out from under you and you think, how can I how can I parent from this standpoint because I wasn't expecting this and I don't know really what I'm doing if, you know, if she takes this path or whatever. But so much of what you wrote in your book is really, I think, many parents go through it, whether their kids become boxers or electronic musicians or whatever. um, There's things that we don't foresee. I think that's it. Correct. When, when we're parents, like we're raising them and they're little and we think, well, if we do... This and and this kind of behavior, and expect this, and shower them with this kind of love, and whatever things are going to be exactly as as we hope they are, and and then then life happens, you know. So um, yeah. I love the beautiful way in which you've presented in your book, Mom. I want to be a fighter. It, it's really chock full of all sorts of um, uh, the way that you handled it. In addition to, you have a, a place in, in the book where where you can write down. Different things within your own experience, so it's almost like journaling in your sense so that you can go through your own life and base it on the things that you learned and you're you're trying to help. I love that about the book and indeed you have a, a currently you have a workbook that's a companion to this book that's out as well. Um, why is it that you you decided to incorporate um, some of this do it yourself within your book?
2: Laura, when I wrote this book, I didn't want it to be a one and done for the reader. First of all, I wanted the reader to read it to the end, which is why I left out a lot of medical jargon and medical um, psychology, child psychology, all things that I was trained for. I wanted people to walk away from this book saying, wow, I can apply this, whether you're a parent or not, to something in my life that, like, as you said, pulled the rug out from underneath you. Secondly... I wanted people to use it use it as some sort of like a resource of sorts so that if there was another gut punch or another speed bump they could go back take this book off the shelf and go through the exercises themselves The workbook companion fleshes out it's all of those what we call ringside notes or dr. B's punch list at the end of each round right mm-hmm. so I have twelve rounds uh, and each round is named uh, is titled after a a famous quote that a famous boxer says, so has said, so the first one was um, Mike Tyson's, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face, uh, because I got punched in the face. <laughs> and so did my husband. And so did my son, too, because he, he kind of realized like, wow, this is a dream that I'm, I'm going to break a lot of rules, but I'm going to go after. So my point in the book is, and, and I think I've achieved that because in the book talks that I have, um, I have led in the in the past couple of years a year since this was was uh, released people said you know I I feel like this is not one of those books I'm just going to donate or give away I'm going to keep it on my shelf and use it again and I didn't I purposely didn't write in the notes because I want to keep it clean for the next time I have a speed bump so that that's very gratifying when people it, come up and say that. I think so too. Then you become personally invested because as
1: I was reading your story, I'm I'm sitting there constantly referring back to my own and how it's applicable. And so the fact that you you have this wonderful punch list of great tips and 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 ways to let the person who's reading it kind of flesh out their own experience um so that they too can maybe come to terms with some things, I think it's just it's a great technique. And, and the book is just so warm. And it's it's so also I think it gives us great permission um, as parents, as just people in the world, whether we're not married or married, have kids, no kids, have jobs, not jobs. Um, it gives us permission to kind of really, you know, delve inside, look within and um Give us permission to be who we are, and I think your son. It's easier for me to say because I'm not his mom, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, if my daughter came to me and said she wanted to be a boxer, I, you know, I can't even. You don't, you know, know how you're going to handle certain things, and especially I find it interesting. You and I are very similar in the sense that you you wrote about the fact that like violence of every kind was like so far from your like you didn't like violent movies. You and I are the same. We don't like violent movies. We don't like confrontations and we don't like, you know, anything gory. You know, we're just so opposite that. And yet boxing within the structure of it, it is a violent sport. And how do you reconcile that when this is your child? And yet you just so beautifully, um, you you graciously sort of divulged everything you went. It was very truthful. It wasn't, you weren't trying to paint a rosy picture of how easy or difficult it was for you and your husband to go through this. Um, tell My listeners, if you would, you know how it has played out because this was a couple of years ago already. Um, What what has happened with the whole trajectory of your your one son Emmanuel and his uh, desire to be a fighter?
2: So yeah, so he when as I describe in the book, we said, well, if you're going to leave school and you're an adult, you're going to support yourself, and um, he did. He went and got jobs. He got trained for different jobs. Uh, He also paid for his own rent, his food. We would give him money. We paid for things like his health insurance and his his cell phone. But everything else was him. And um, he went back to school for a year, said, this still isn't for me. He left for a year and. He's going back to school in, in a few weeks again. And he said, I'm just going to finish this because I do really now believe and understand the value of an education and going through the program of an institution. I respect it now. I get it. And he is still boxing, which it's everything that I would want for him in terms of he being happy and also fulfilling um, the vision So the joke is on us because he has learned so much about life, living on his own, living up there in the summers by himself, managing budgets and and payments and calling different companies, you know, cable companies and things like that. Things that he would not have learned had he been in the uh, school setting because he would have been so bitter about having to be there. But now he's going back on his terms. So we keep saying my husband and I keep saying that by relinquishing our ground, we all gained our vision, all three of us. Mm. And, um and we're closer now than we've ever been. And he respects us for how we handled the whole situation. I still can't watch him fight. I haven't. Um, he, he's still an amateur, you know, the amateur level, but, and he doesn't want me to come and see any of his fights either, because I just, I, I'm not ready for it yet.
1: Right. And understandably so. And does he understand that?
2: Yes, he does. He does. And he also says, I, I, I almost don't want you to be there my first few fights.
1: (laughs) Right. And, and even though he, um, decided that he would incorporate um, you know, college and an education back into his life yet again. Um, does he plan on sticking with, you know, a boxing career as his livelihood?
2: He he is, but he understands that there's a time limit to it, that there is like, you know, an expiration date, as he says. Um, and at the same time, he wants to use what he's learned in boxing, all his life skills and Um, he does say that it has so many parallels. Boxing and the mindset of boxing and being committed and disciplined has so many parallels to life that he would love to teach that to other individuals, whether it's adults or he's really good with children. Um, Right now, he's the athletic director at a local boys and girls club upstate, and he loves it. So his vision is to have some... to to play that out in some way in the future, maybe own some boxing gyms and teach children this discipline of life through Mm -hmm. having fun of safe boxing. Um, so, so that's, you know, that, that's his vision that is his passion once his boxing career is over. Um, and who knows, right. We'll see how that, how that unfolds. But I see more of a groundedness around his decision making. Uh, he hasn't read the book yet. He doesn't want to read the book yet. Uh, and he, and Mm -hmm. he's just closer to us. So I think this book has helped me achieve that, help us achieve that, because I think people would be looking at me as a physician and going, what do I say to change my child's mind so he, he or she knows that that's not the right way and my way is the right way. And this book is completely opposite of that.
1: Right. But it very gently does it so. I mean, you're not militant in your advice and you're also not, you know, you don't, uh, you know, feel sorry for yourself in any way. It's a really wonderful balance between um, stepping up into your, your truth and yet at the same time being open to the guidance that this great world and guidance and God and universe, you know, affords everyone that searches for it. Um, It does come. And even if it's through trials and what you say, but you have in the, in the title in, in uh, in addition to speed bumps and gut punches, you also have miracles of life in there as the last uh, qualifier. Uh, What uh, tell us a, a bit about miracles of life and what that means. And, how how that's affected you? Have you had many miracles?
2: I do. I have miracles every day, and I count them every day before I go to bed. Uh, they come as whispers, or they come as loud showers of wonderful abundance. Uh, I'm I'm a very spiritual person. I'm a very religious and spiritual person, and I really do believe that if you your intent is always to leave a place better than you found it that will come back to you many fold. And it may not come back to you to the person that you showered that blessing to or abundance to, but it will come back to you in another way. So for as a quick example, I let go of this fear that his coach was going to be this money hungry person, and he's going to take advantage of my baby. And I just trusted, I trusted in the powers that be in the all above and we were blessed with a coach and a and his wife who love my son as a son and treat him as a son uh and in fact his wife is a big factor in him going back to school because she kept on saying you really need to finish your education and they've taken care of him taken them under his wing i couldn't have asked for a better couple, person, you know, even the team, the whole team, they completely embrace a family up there now. And I would never have imagined that in the beginning of this. So that was definitely a miracle in all of this. And they're an extended family that we never even thought we could have or dream of. And they've shaped my son's life so much. I feel so indebted to them.
1: Yes. Oh, I love those. Those are the beautiful miracles for sure. And, um, and it's interesting how, no matter how much we would try, we might not be able to accomplish that on our own. We don't even know sometimes what the miracle, what form it's going to take or what we need exactly, but there it is. There right. it is. You're, out of absolutely, nowhere. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes, you're absolutely I
2: love the way you said that, Laura, you're absolutely right. Like we would not have been able to achieve what we did, what, how far he has come without all these angels that have fallen into place. Some of them were from the jobs that he, he had. And they just like a friend would describe it to me, like a shooting star in your life. Like they're there for the moment that you needed them. And then now they're not there, but they taught you the lesson that you needed to, need, to learn at that moment in time. And he's had some of those and he, he listened, which is wonderful because like you said, may not have learned it through us.
1: Right, and it may not have learned it. Also, um, you know, had you really blocked his efforts, you know, to doing what he decided, it is. It's heart wrenching. I'll never forget the day my daughter came and told my my parents and me that um, she would not be accepting the scholarship. She would not. She wanted to move into Manhattan. She wanted to try her music career, and and that's what it was going to be. And and and. You know, you're just there all of a sudden and everything that you thought um, would be is is turning out completely different. But like your son, she found her way. She ended up, my goodness, moving to San Francisco and then Germany, Berlin, Germany, where she was for eight years and kind of translated the music into a voiceover career that was extremely lucrative and, and now is going a bit back to the music. But, you know, it's it's life on her terms And it's, again, so unexpected, but in the letting go of what my vision was and just supporting hers, um, I think that in itself is, you know, what parents need to give themselves a bit of a break and a pat on the back for doing because it's not easy. It's so much easier to maintain, no, this is what I want for you. This is what you're doing, you know, and. And and take that lar- hard line, and and people are doing it for all of the best reasons and intentions as well. People, parents that do that, it's not because they don't love their children; it's because they do. But right. but we do learn the the relinquishing. What are some other wonderful pieces of advice, some tips that people can find in your beautiful book here, uh, Doctor B? I
2: I really uh, focus on the reader in this book. I focus on. Um, really filling your own cup. One of the things that I talk to my clients or anybody that I I coach is most of the times we're so busy lighting everybody's candle, let's say, right, that uh, we run out of our own light. But I always tell them, think of lighting a birthday cake when you have this one candle and it's burning brightly You can light all of the candles and everybody burns brightly. But if your candle is not lit or half lit, it snuffs out really quickly. So it's our job and no one else's to light our own candle to fill our own cup. So that's where I also go a little bit into the science of things and taking care of your body as well as your mind. And then also your spirituality and your hopes and dreams and also being being kind to yourself and giving yourself the self-care it's not a luxury it's really a necessity um and i could go into the science of that but let's just say that when you don't take care of yourself your cortisol levels your hormone levels of cortisol are so high and that does not do your body good so you do need to take the time to celebrate yourself for everything you did for the day one of the ways i like to do it is to go like i just told you what were the little miracles that happened today? And how am I fully absorbing that? Yeah, it, it, you know, I
1: found probably of all my searching over the years, my spirituality, my belief in God, my faith, and then all the studying of the wonderful gurus of self help. Um, you mentioned many of them in your book, you know, it could be Khalil Gibran. Or uh, Wayne Dyer and Louise Hay, all these people in that world of self care and self discovery, and and I found that throughout all of it, now that I'm you know much older and looking back, that my I think the one thing that's the easiest to access at the end of the day and when you wake up in the morning is gratitude. That has, I know it sounds cliche. Everybody talks about it and, and rightly so. But gratitude is the one thing that puts everything back into focus because it's very easy to say, this is what's going wrong. This is my problem of the day. This is my health issue, my money issue, my family problem issue. But then there, there's the other thing that you can put in. And what it, and I, you have something at the very beginning of the book. I love that. Tell us what you call those.
2: We, we call them, um, gosh, like at least the at least game. So, you know, at least, so at least our son wants to talk to us. At least he still wants to be in touch with us. At least he he didn't move across the whole earth. Uh, At least we still, he's only six hours away. So we are, my husband and I, and and we teach our sons to do the same. We do that. And that's a form of gratitude, right? I was just going to, I was just going to bring that up when you were saying that so that we're not looking at the, the cup half empty, we're saying, okay, it's half full. It's not full where we want it to be, but at least it's this, you know, at least we're all healthy. Yes. That's that. That's the at least game.
1: <laughs> exactly. And I love that because you offer at the end of that first round, which is your first chapter, you call, do everything like the boxing metaphor. Um, after that first chapter, you have write down your at least, right. your at least, which is, right. again, it's a wonderful way of putting things into their proper perspective, and just making it easier on yourself, and and finding those little miracles. Uh, Doctor B, I love your everything that you offer. You, you're not only a great author, but you like a former pediatrician, and you do. Do you coach as well? You said,
2: yes, I do coach, and I am launching an, a specialized coaching program soon for first generation Filipino women in the United States and Canada. Uh, and creating community around that because that was born out of this book. Some of the feedback and what people have told me, my fellow Filipina ladies that have come to me. So it's another new endeavor, but, but I'll write a sequel to this book. I hope you will, and it's something that I think everyone can get
1: something out of with the way you present your information. It's very beautiful, gentle, loving, kind, with some tongue-in-cheek humor and a whole lot of love. Mom, I Want to Be a Fighter is the book, an eye-opening guide to the speed bumps, gut punches, and miracles of life. You will love it. It will help you, and look for the companion book to go with it. What's a great website to find everything from you, Dr. B.?
2: So, uh, so the book is available on Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com, and my website is FlourishWithDrB.com. So, Flourish that's
1: the letter B, yeah, FlourishWithDrB.com. Flourish I lo- that's a great word too, by the way. Thank flourish. you. Flourish, yes, and it's everything you are. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Belinda Basaka Zeitlin, uh, known as Dr. B. Go to Flourish with do- uh, Flourish with Dr. B. .com and also Amazon to get her wonderful books. Thank you for joining us today on the way home. I just feel better already.
2: Oh, thank you. I feel better too. Thank you so much. I appreciate it all.
1: God bless. You're listening to The Way Home. We'll be right back.
0: Welcome back. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Here's Laura.
1: Well, it's no secret that cyber attacks are on the rise across all industries, and it it just looks like it's getting worse, not better. And it makes us uh, a little worried when we hear uh, different reports coming over the news that even, you know, our own government is scurrying to try to make sure that, uh, you know, we're not uh, constantly being bombarded with these uh, malicious uh, hacks. So, uh, we have someone today that's going to help us dive into this a little bit in terms of cybersecurity and especially for the, the cloud. Brianna Frank is here. She's the vice president of product and design for IBM cloud. And, uh, Brianna, thank you for joining us today because I know this is something that's top of mind for a lot of companies. Um, like I said, the government, just just it, even everybody on a personal level is worried about these uh, type of malware and, and malicious uh, actors who are looking to exploit different organizations. So um, tell us what we what we can look out for and how the IBM cloud might be of help to us.
3: Absolutely. You know, it's interesting to see how much our behavior has changed. I think the pandemic really triggered our behavior to embrace more technology out of necessity. So we're we're seeing a lot more contactless transactions. We're also seeing an infusion of AI in everything that we do. And the US Treasury's cloud report, I think is really reflecting that influx of technology and innovation that's happening in the world and had some cautions on how to prevent uh, a potential cyber attack. And one of the things that they cited um, in the report, you know, is this this concept of a concentration risk, and and by that they mean having all of your applications or workloads in one particular spot could provide a you know a, a an additional you know um, risk, and you know that's interesting because at IBM we've really been focused on this for a long time. We we believe in hybrid multi cloud, which which means. Instead of having all of your applications in one area, you would distribute those into lots of different data centers, you know, on prem data centers, different clouds, our own cloud. In this hybrid multi cloud approach, really diffuses or distributes any sort of concentration risk. And then further, you know, we're really focused on protecting financial transactions. And what we've done is we've actually created a council of 80 prominent banks globally, and we also speak very frequently with regulators, and we use the collective intelligence of these thought leaders in the industry to build a framework of controls, security um, and compliance controls into our cloud. And that provides a layer of protection and security that, you know, with entrepreneurs or, you know, developers are building on our cloud, there's a level of security built in.
1: So that's good to know. And but how do we know that maybe whatever institution or organization that we're dealing with is taking the, the right precautions such as IBM uh, for these? Because not everybody seems to be as on top of it. I mean, sometimes we're hearing about hospitals and, you know, places that you would think things would, would be really well guarded and, and regulated and such. And, and it seems like, you know, it's, it's sort of the Wild West out there.
3: Absolutely. And it is, it seems it is, um, you know, you, you hear about, uh, more and more, um, uh, security breaches every day. And I know it's, it's, uh, it can be disconcerting for, you know, the consumer. And I think that we have to insist on additional governance and we have to insist that organizations are really, adhering to the highest level of security and I think that's really what the government's um, you know this US treasury cloud report was was intended to incite additional levels of security um, and, and to really make sure that organizations are paying attention and that they're they're taking action
4: mm.
1: well that there's some comfort there uh, what how do we know that we're our own private? Stuff just in our our own homes is is being um, you know completely secured by whatever company maybe
3: our our cloud is with. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's a that's a tougher problem. I mean, it's, it would take some a little bit of investigation to say, you know, where is my financial institution? You know, what what levels of security are they um, are they uh, adhering to, and where are they? Uh, you know, what, what level of security are they, um, participating in? So I think it's a, it's a little bit of an investigation for sure. Mm-hmm. But, you know, hopefully if we do our job right and the government is really pushing on this, that financial institutions will have to adhere to a higher level of security and compliance. And, you know, the, hopefully the consumer doesn't have to worry because, um, you know, additional governance is being put in place.
1: Okay. If people want more information on this, because some people are, um, are more able to kind of get into the infrastructure and try to figure these things out, where, what's a nice website that people can go to and maybe get more information? Absolutely. It's
3: ibm.com slash cloud.
1: Oh, easy. ibm.com slash cloud. And I think a lot of us, the word cloud even is is now more generally accepted and people are starting to learn what it is. So it's important that we really can understand this even further. Thank you so much, Brianna Frank, Vice President of Product and Design for IBM Cloud. All right. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today.
0: You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Once again, here's Laura.
1: Well, the 2023 Atlantic hurricane season runs through November 30th. And whether you or a loved one is a resident in a hurricane prone area, we encourage you to take a few vital steps to ensure that you're prepared for what could be another active season. My guests today are Dr. Ian Giamanco, the lead research meteorologist at Insurance Institute for Business and Home Safety and Michael Richmond Crom, director of personal lines and counsel at American Property Casualty Insurance Association. Gentlemen. Um, What are some science-backed actions that people can take to strengthen their properties and their situation to reduce the risk of damage to their homes?
0: Yeah, thanks, Laura, for having us. Yeah, a lot of the damage when it comes to hurricanes starts with uh, your roof. So when you're re-roofing, that's a great time to make a couple of changes uh, to your roof system to get a better, stronger roof. You can add uh, enhanced nails. You can actually tape those seams or seal the roof deck. So if your shingles do fail, you're not going to get water through your roof. And then there's some details about how you do the edge. You can check those out at fortifiedhome.org. And then the next big vulnerable spot, if you're looking for those big projects to really kind of bring your home to the next level, look at your garage door. They all should have a sticker on the back that says their wind rating. And if it doesn't, and you're in the market for a new garage door, get one that's rated for 130 mile per hour winds or higher. Uh, those are two of the big things you can do to your home uh, to be ready for the next storm.
1: That's great to, to know. I wouldn't have thought of that. Um- What in terms of home insurance should we know uh, whether or not we are covered properly? What can we do?
4: Well, the first thing you can do is check to make sure that you've got your insurance policy ready, take it out, and take a read through it. You know, following a hurricane or a major storm or event is not the time you want to realize you don't know how you don't have enough insurance coverage to repair or build your home. So, with hurricane season upon us, this is the perfect time for homeowners and business owners to take out that policy. Get in touch with their agent or insurer. Make sure they have the right amount and right types of insurance coverage. particularly flood insurance should be addressed. You want to make sure that if you need flood insurance, you get it. A lot of people think that homeowners insurance sort of covers that flood component, and it doesn't necessarily. So you want to look into that. You also want to check your deductible. Make sure it's an amount that's you know basically fits with your budget. That's the amount of money that you pay out of pocket when your insurance kicks in. So you want to find that balance of affordability and, you know, and and coverage that that fits your needs.
1: Absolutely. And uh, it's obviously much better to be safe than sorry and to start the process or even make a home inventory and get your ducks in order so that they aren't floating around your home during hurricane season. Thank you so much, gentlemen. I really appreciate you being on the way home. Thank you, Laura. Thank you very much. You're listening to The Way Home. We'll
4: be right back.
0: Welcome back. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura
1: Smith. Here's Laura. Well, I hope you've enjoyed the show as much as I have doing it, but you know, it wouldn't be a show. Unless we have the guru of good news, Mr. Jim Cleefield himself, coming up with uh, great stories that he's found out on the internet, and uh, always good news stories to finish off and cap off the show, because, well, we just want to leave you on a high note, a positive note, something to take with you that'll make you feel happy. So, Jimmy, what do you have today? I know you have two stories today, not just one, so I can't wait.
0: Well, let's get right to it, shall we? We'll start in Georgia. I want to tell you the story about a juvenile, a young boy who uh, has his eyes on a PlayStation 5. It's a nice electronic game that kids play. He really wants to get one. The problem is he doesn't have any money. He needs money to spend, right? So what does he do? He wants to find a job. Well, he was offering some neighbors the opportunity to do some yard work, uh, mow the lawns, weeds, everything like that, and he was in the process of doing some lawn mowing at one of the neighbors' places. This is in Hayfield, Georgia, by the way, but some of the neighbors weren't too happy with his presence there, so they called the police on him. Can you believe that? Maybe because it was just too noisy or something? So here comes Officer Kalaran onto the scene, and he talks to the boy. Now, this boy, he wasn't belligerent. He wasn't upset. He wasn't angry. He was very polite, very respectful of the officer, for whoever his age may be. We don't know his name. And he basically told Officer that, look, I'm doing this because I want to mow these lawns. I want to take care of these yards for a reason, because I want to raise money so I can get the $500, which costs to get a PlayStation 5, and the membership every month is $10, and that's what I'm trying to do this for, and I want to help these neighbors. He said, okay. Okay, I got it. Well, here's something interesting. Do you know what Officer Coleran and the young boy have in common? He is a gamer as well. He likes to play PlayStation 5. So you know what he did? He said, look... I'm going to get together with some friends. We're going to pull together. We're going to pull our resources together and raise some money, which they ultimately did. I guess they just contributed something out of pocket. They got the $500 for him so he can go get the PlayStation 5. So to say the least, this kid will not have to lift a finger. He will not have to mow any lawns because this officer, showing how nice the kindness is returned, he's able to get him the money, and he's going to get that PlayStation 5. Great job for him, and that's just a nice thing to have.
1: Very thoughtful and very kind. But I, I think there's something good to say about... Working towards getting something. It is wonderful that they they did that as a gift to him. But I wonder, you know, I think it's great when young kids say, if I'm going to get this, I'm going to have to work for it. So but both listen, it ended on a great note, no matter what, whether, you know, he worked. I wonder uh, if he'd come mow my lawn. All right, then. I know you have another one for us, Jim.
0: Yes. Now, I don't know if either one of you are Swifties. And when I say Swifties, you probably know what I'm talking about. Yes, the great Taylor Swift, right? She's in the middle of her Eras tour. She's about to wrap up the U.S. leg. She's making so much money. It's been selling out everywhere she goes. Here in the New York area, she did a couple concerts at MetLife Stadium. It's just an absolute success. We know she's the best on the planet right now. But that's not the real reason I'm doing this story, by the way. There's another side to her. Not only is she a great performer and a future Rock and Roll Hall of Famer, by the way, she is a philanthropist. She loves to give back. She has a heart of gold. And I'll tell you what she did for her crew. This is how great. I'd love to work for her because she just recently did, as the U.S. leg is about to wrap up, she gave her her crew, all those close to her, a total of $55 million in bonuses. $55 million. She's worth a lot of money, right? But – the, the big surprise, though, I mean, aside from giving the money to her riggers, her dancers, her caterers, et cetera, here's the special surprise of all. She has 50 bus buses, 50 bus drivers that have to haul all that equipment all over the country like they've had, and they really work hard. They probably do most of the grunt work aside from those who are on stage, right? Each one of those drivers got a $100,000 bonus, total $5 million. Can you believe that? I mean, Christmas came early for these guys. But it just goes to show you, I mean, that she's not one of those performers, oh, look at me, I'm a diva. No, I mean, she's, she wants to give back. And I think it's just it's just wonderful to know that she appreciates the people that she's surrounded with, that she's surrounded with a great team that make her the great performer that she is. And so, again, five, $55 million. So she makes everybody happy, not just her fans, but all those close to her. That's great. And the other thing is this, by the way, the inner national leg, I should mention. Uh, wraps up next year. you know when that's going to be? This tour, by the way, is expected to gross $1 billion. She'd be the first artist ever to gross that much money. It's going to end on a date that I think you're familiar with very much, LJ. August 17th,
1: 2024. Oh. Well, maybe I'll celebrate at my birthday party. There you go. Uh, Taylor Swift, and I'll play some of her music. I haven't listened to like deep cuts on any of her albums, but I think I should do that because really it really is true. She... Not only are the you know the teen teenagers seen uh, loving her, but so are little tiny girls, and grandmas and moms. I mean, she really yeah. seems to run the gamut with her music. I guess they feel like it's something that everybody in the family can enjoy, and everybody gets in on it going to see a concert. It's expensive, yes, but I think they probably feel like it's one of the few venues of you know, kind of wholesome entertainment, so to speak, in that she's, you know, she's a good singer. She writes all her own music. She's very talented. So I have to give her props, um, not only for that, of uh, finding a way to reach the masses, but also for her generosity, because she does know that she's not going to be anywhere without those people helping her out. Exactly. Right? She can't do it by herself. Nobody can. That's kind of how I feel with you guys, Bob and Jim, my producer Aww. and my voiceover guy. And we're family. Guru of good news. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think, I think I might give you a bonus. Really? Yeah. Not as much as it she did, though. <laughs> not a hundred thousand. Um, not even a hundred dollars, but maybe a hundred pennies. Okay, okay. That'll get me <laughs> no, something. Maybe I'm another cup of kidding. coffee. I don't. <laughs> You're worth a million bucks. Thank. You. That's all I'm going to say. That's how good you two are. <laughs> anyway thank you listen when I'm making money like Taylor Swift I Mm. you'll get a bonus I Promise! I promise! I promise! I Just look forward don't to hold
0: it. your breath. <laughs> Taylor would be lucky to have us. <laughs> yeah.
1: That is right. You are the best of the best. That would be Bob Small, my producer, Jim Cleekfield, the voice of the way home, and to both of you and everyone today listening to my wonderful guest, Doctor B, Doctor Belinda Basaka Zeitlin, and her wonderful book. Thank you so much, everyone, for always joining us here on the way home. We love you lots. This is my birthday week, actually, now, so I'm gonna maybe I'll go turn on some Taylor Swift. And on that note, have a great week, everyone. God bless. Lots of love. I'm Laura Smith.